0: Good morning. Welcome to the last chapel of the year. Uh, yeah, that deserves some clapping, right? Uh, hey, we made it, and it, it, I don't know if it feels like we made it, uh, but I don't know about you, but I think uh, we need to celebrate. Uh, and, and so um, the student activities team has been thinking about ways to celebrate, and they just said, hey, let's, let's make MGN A night of celebration. So MGN is this Friday night. Uh, the show starts at 8 p.m. in the Fieldhouse. The, the wonderful Joel McCracken made this t shirt for us, and the first 200 students to MGN are going to get this t-shirt for free Um, so just know we're going to be passing out t-shirts we also just said hey let's get some great food so from 7 to 8 outside before the show we got Chick-fil-A going to be there we got Peace Loving Little Donuts going to be there and um, we've got ice cream for everyone so come on down this Friday night let's celebrate the end of the semester we've got 18 great acts that you're going to be listening to a few surprises That you're going to be remembering. And, um, and, and so MGN, if you've never gone, if you don't know what it is, it's a concert that we, we throw at the end of the year. It's called my generation night and it's students performing songs from your generation. And it's just a fun, fun night. So come join us this Friday night. Um, if you didn't know, one other thing to celebrate is that the parade is back for homecoming. And so if you or your club are interested in in having a float next year, you can register now. So know that the parade is back for homecoming. You're like, we haven't even finished this semester and we're talking about next. Hey, we want to look forward to some wonderful things. We've got a wonderful chapel. Uh, we we pray that, that, that this day um, we know we're, we're kind of all in the grind right now and feeling it and we pray that this hour is one where you can reset your heart and and focus on on the living Christ. So let's enjoy chapel together.
1: Good morning. Welcome to chapel this Wednesday morning. Glad you're here. I can't wait for the message today. When I saw the message title the other day and the text, I got very excited. I don't exactly know which direction our brother is going to go, but every direction my mind went, I just got very excited. Um, I picked Psalm 92 because in Psalm 92, David is facing crisis, significant crisis. There are people out to get him. He is very publicly being slandered. How many crises today are caused by people opening their mouths in haphazard ways? Online or or in person, right? So there's that going on. Psalm 92 reveals to us that the evil of this world is real. And the crises are real. And yet, if you look at verse 8, I love that word, but (laughs) there's a contrast here. David is like a green olive tree in the house of God. The reality is that David's God and our God is at work. And the work that he's about is about saving and preserving his people. And if you look at the end of the psalm, we ought to see our response, right? Our response ought to be the constant worship of this God before a watching world. So if you are able, would you please stand? And let's read from Psalm 92 together. Let's read together. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. Thank you. You may be seated. I love how he says, because you have done it. That's past tense, even though it hasn't quite happened yet, right? Just I love how Randon was using the past tense. We, we've done it. We've arrived. We've done it, even though we're not quite there yet. It's a beautiful way to think about it. I chose to encounter Psalm 16D today. It's the psalm I'm most looking forward to being able to sing together. And as we heard last chapel, it is a reasonable hope that in the fall we will sing together. I have been longing for this. I can't tell you how much I've been longing to hear you sing and to sing with you, so I chose Psalm 16d. It's a prayer for God's preservation through temptation, that God would preserve us through crises. Really, right? It's not. It's a good psalm to think about what we have to face this week and the next week. Uh, how do we see God's preservation in this psalm? We see it in the beauty of His people. You can encounter that even in the midst of final exams, right? We see it in His manifold blessings that He lavishes upon us. We see it in the fact that he promises to be with us. His presence is constant, whether or not we feel it. And the knowledge that he saves. If he can preserve us through death, he can preserve us through the papers, the presentations, the finals, and any other uh, valley of the shadow of death you may be facing. All right. So let's experience Psalm 16D together.
2: Three. Sing in You, yes, You.
3: Please join with me as we recite the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, Join with me as we pray, and we will conclude with the Lord's Prayer together as usual. Heavenly Father, we just come before you with uh, thanksgiving and praise that we have reached the last week of classes in this uh, very challenging year. We just thank you for the good weather that we've experienced this spring, and uh, thank you for the athletic performances that have been able to take place. We want to pray for the teams that are still uh, carrying on with their seasons, baseball, softball, and track, track and field. And um, we want to pray for those who are recovering from disappointments. And we just ask that you would allow us to finish the semester and have a wonderful time of celebration uh, at commencement. So we would pray for good weather um, over commencement weekend and particularly May 10th. I would ask that you would keep the students safe uh, through that period, and especially graduating seniors, please protect them from being exposed in any way so that they could fully participate in the commencement ceremony and not have to quarantine or isolate. I just ask that you would be with uh, those involved in uh, trustee meetings that are happening this week. Uh, We're thankful that those are able to happen on campus for the first time in a long time. And we look forward to the time uh, that we will have with each other. Please be with those that are grieving, uh, those who have recently uh, mourned the loss of loved ones. Um, we think of the Ann Lee family and uh, the Smoltz family in particular. And we just ask that you would be with those who need healing. We pray for Brenda McCune and for the treatments that she is beginning. We ask that you would give her doctor's wisdom and allow those treatments to work well. We pray for all the students as they enter finals week. Uh, we ask that they would be able to study well and to use their time well and to be able to remember everything that they've learned. Uh, we ask that you would allow the faculty to and the students to be able to celebrate with Esther Meek as she uh, completes her last year with the college and, and retires. We ask that you would be with her as she uh, moves on, and to help her remember that she will always be a part of our family. I just ask that you would be with Pastor Baker as as he gives um, this word to us, help us to listen well. And please be with us as we all pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
4: Revelations 3 7 through 13 and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One the true one who has the key of David who opens and no one will shut who shuts and no one opens. I know your works behold I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word of the Lord.
5: Good morning, Geneva. It is good to see you all in the house of the Lord. It's good to be in the presence of his people. Uh, I didn't realize this was the last chapel of the of the year. So, uh, Dr. Trout, again, thank you for allowing me to stand in this sacred space and to be a part of speaking God's word into the life of this community. Uh, don't take it for granted. So thank you for that. And thank you all for your welcome throughout the year. And uh, it has been uh, a great blessing to me. Amen. Amen. Um, I'd like to look at this text in the life of uh, the story of Moses that leads us up to God's calling of Moses to be the great deliverer of God's people out of Egypt. But I'd like to look at it under the context, um, theologically, of God's sovereignty, And uh, the role of suffering in the life of God's people in his sovereign will and purposes in our lives uh, that are often not fun, but necessary. Amen. And um, so pray with me and then turn in your uh, Bibles to Exodus chapter two, uh, beginning at verse 11. Uh, Heavenly Father, I'm asking that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. And that you would give your people ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church. And Lord, that um, you would use me, uh, even in my weakness, Lord God, to proclaim the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. And so have your own, have that own way, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter and we are the clay. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11 reads, uh, one day. When Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who may you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses said, was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. And when they came home to their father, Roel, he said, how is it? For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today I want to talk about the personal crisis of God's calling. One of the hardest things to get people to truly believe is that God has a particular assignment on your life. One reason is that we normally don't see ourselves in our assignment as God does. We see ourselves in assignment through the rose colored glasses of our hopes and dreams for the world. We want our will to be done and our kingdom to come on earth. Or on the other hand, we see our lives through the difficulties and disappointments in life. It often takes, we we see, we see our life not through God's promise, but through the difficulties and disappointments that we go through and lack faith and trust in God. But the reality of our sojourn in Christ is this, that it often takes rejection time and space and prayer before we can see God's purpose for us instead of our dreams or disappointments about life. It takes failure time and space away from what we long for and prayer for our vision to align with God's vision. It is like riding a bike. Often it just takes falling off the bike and time learning how to balance and pedal at the same time and the prayers of your parents where you found your coordination on your bicycle as a young boy or girl. So so is the circumstance, Geneva, in the life of Moses, finding his purpose in God. God has protected and guided Moses' life in order to prepare him for his assignment to be the great deliverer of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And before the people can be free, God has to develop the perspective of the deliverer before he is ready to speak for and to the people of God. Could it be that God is developing you students to be a blessing to others and to advance the purpose of his kingdom in your life? But before he can commission you on the job to be his ambassador, he has to prepare you through failure, time and prayer so that you don't mismanage his purpose because you let your problems become your passion. Let's take a closer look at how God uses failure, time and prayer to prepare us for purpose. The first thing I see in the text is this God can use failure to prepare us for his purpose in our life. I coach my son, William in little league soccer. And the other day I saw, a little brother on the other team run off the field crying to his mother. I ran over and asked mom what was wrong, and she said he is mad because he doesn't feel like he's being successful. I thought this was a pretty weighty conversation on Saturday morning, Little League Soccer, but nonetheless, this is how he felt, and uh, everyone's trauma is at least real to them, right? The young brother had high expectations for his first season in soccer. And because he was not playing on the field, how he envisioned himself in his mind, he abandoned the game altogether. So I ran over and told him that he's already a champion and he has to go out and give his best. And then he went back out and played hard because his vision and expectations were adjusted when I gave him a different definition about what the game was supposed to be like. Well, in the text, Moses, a Hebrew boy raised as a prince of Egypt, sees a Hebrew brother being beat down by an Egyptian and Moses passion and anger get the best of him. And he goes and kills the Egyptian for beating down his ethnic brother. The next day he sees some Hebrews, some Hebrew on Hebrew crime going down and he inserts himself politely into the situation. And both Hebrew brothers turn on Moses and shame him by reminding him that everybody knows you killed that Egyptian the other day. And when Moses realizes Pharaoh has heard the news that he killed an Egyptian, he realizes his life is on the line. And so he skips town to avoid certain death. What do you do when your passion moved you to action, but your strategy failed and both the people you are trying to stand up for reject your help and the people you are trying to stand up against are trying to take your life. Moses runs feeling like a failure because he moved out of his passion, but did not move in the God directed purpose of his life. And there are some of us under the sound of my voice, who have moved out of passion instead of God, direction, God directed purpose, and you feel like a failure because your passionate action didn't prosper, and the people you want to serve have rejected you, and your enemies are after you. I just came today to tell you, students, it's okay. Don't get depressed because God can use failure in your passion to lead you into true purpose, the true purpose of God's calling for your life. Here it is. Sometimes God has to let us fail so that it's not about you when he commissions you to go in your purpose, but it's about him and the people he has called you to help because you are confident that he is going to take care of your life and theirs. Some of us don't want to hear this, but you need to fail on that first business idea. You need that relationship to fail. You need that ministry Uh, opportunity to fail. You need the first deal on that house to fall through. You need to get fired from that job. You need to fail out of school. I, I hope not, but so that you can do good. The second time you come back so that when God gives you a second chance, you enter the situation representing him and not making a statement about yourself. The second thing I see about personal Christ, the personal crisis of God's calling in the life of Moses is this, that God can use time and space to develop you for your assignment. God can use time and space to develop you for your assignment. Moses was, I believe around 40 when he ran from Egypt under the threat of death from Pharaoh, but God used time in Midian Time for Pharaoh who wanted to kill Moses to die himself. Time for him to develop as a person and as a husband and as a father. Time for him to develop as a shepherd of sheep so that God could call him to lead his flock. Time for him to understand that there was nothing he could do to change the situation of his people independent of God. God uses time and space away from a situation to prepare a person to be able to minister in the situation and to the situation. I remember feeling a deep calling to complete seminary training, but God took me through a process where it took me years to complete my master's of divinity degree. There were times when I thought it was never going to happen. Then God opened the door uh, through Jerry O'Neill without my help and gave me everything I needed to complete the task at hand. It was on graduation though the, uh, day, though, Dr. Trout, that I said to myself as I went up to get my degree that this is nice, but what is more important than my diploma is the man I became in the process. The preacher I became through the process. The scholar I became through the process. The shepherd I became through the process. But it took time and space for God to prepare me to be a student who could successfully complete the assignment. The second time around, I came to tell someone today who's struggling. God may be giving you time and space away from your passion in order to give you a new perspective about how he wants you to address the problem. He has called you to solve. God is calling you away to creating you a new heart. God is giving you time and space to work out your emotions and your mentality. God is calling you a way to work out your relationship with him. God is calling you a way so that you can build so that he can build you to build others. God is calling you a way to connect you to people who will assist you with the calling in the future. God is calling you a way to prepare you for a place where he can speak to you a fresh word for a fresh season of purpose and even prosperity the next time around. God is giving you time and space to prepare you for your purpose. See, God did not speak to Moses in the midst of the situation in Egypt, but God took him away to Minian, so that he can get with Moses one-on-one. Thirdly and finally, Geneva, I'd leave this with you. Not only can God use failure, God used to, uh, time, can God use time away? from the situation that we are passionate for to prepare us for our purpose, but God can use the prayers of the saints to develop you for your assignment. Come on, tell your neighbor. It's not about you. Just one time, maybe <laughs> you turn and look at your neighbor and say, neighbor <laughs> it's not about you. I'm not trying to start uh, any fights on this on the campus this afternoon. It's just, just to get us into the mindset of this point, there are, other people that God is preparing to partner with you in the assignment that he has called you to participate in. Uh, Jesus is the center. God is the center and God is the one as a friend just told me who's building his church and who is moving time and history towards his end. And he uses us, but he uses us in the midst of his people. It's not your assignment, it's God's assignment on your life and on other people's lives in order that, that he is preparing you all for in order to solve a problem that he has called you and others to solve in order to bring about the reality that he has called you and others to live out in this world. It's God's vision for God's people and he, call, and he has called you to play an important role in the future of that vision. Moses was passionate when he killed that Egyptian, but he was not ready to be the deliverer of Egypt, of Israel at that point. And the Hebrews were not ready to be delivered at that point. But after the Pharaoh who wanted to kill Moses had died, the people of God had started praying and God heard the petition of his people to become free from their oppressor. God remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God knew what his people needed and he knew who he was sending to accomplish his purpose in the lives of his people. It was then that God had set the scene for the circumstances to raise up Moses as the deliverer of God's people. Can I tell you friends that God is not only preparing you, he is preparing the people, the team, the community, the staff for you so that when you all come together, you can fulfill his purpose because everyone has their eyes on the Lord sufficiently to accomplish the vision that the Lord has called you to collectively. This purpose does not mean that there will not be problems and difficulties, but it does mean that God has given you everything you need to address the problems and difficulties that you will encounter where you, when you enter back into the place he's called you. One more time, if you will indulge me, come on, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God is gathering a team. God is gathering a team. God is building his church. God is connecting his people for purpose. God's gathering the board. God is gathering your help. God is gathering your support. God is gathering people to give. God is gathering people to encourage you along the way. God is gathering everyone you need, and He is changing hearts uh that's That's just such a beautiful image that I love from um, um mm, the Book of Ezra, where God changed God, turns the heart of the king and turns the heart of the people of Israel and turns the heart of uh, uh, uh the the people um in Persia to accomplish his purpose. And so God does it for Moses and the children of Israel. And so God is doing it in the life of his church. God is changing hearts. And there's somebody, there is somebody praying for you even now. And even if you're not praying for them, God is moving even while you are wandering on the backside of the mountain of obscurity in your life. God is responding to the prayers of the saints saying, uh, saying, saying, uh, Lord, send someone to my job to help turn this company around. Lord, send someone to my church to help turn our ministry around. Lord, turn some hearts in my family to turn our family situation around. The saints of my upbringing used to sing, the Lord will make a way somehow when beneath the cross I bow. There are people praying for the Lord to send you and to send others into the situation to bring about his purpose. We see this in the life all throughout the life of Jesus Christ. Simeon and Anna were in the temple when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus and to be dedicated to God. And these two saints were praying for the coming of the savior who would restore the people of God back to their rightful status in God. The disciples left everything they knew to follow Jesus because God had prepared the people for the Messiah. And God is preparing people who are praying for you to come into their experience and bring the blessed giftedness and passion and determination for the kingdom of God to come and the will of God to be done in their experience. There is someone under the sound of my voice who is feeling like a failure, who is wondering, disconnected from the people and the work they really uh, are passionate about and desire to do. And that God is even putting your heart and you do not know that God has prepared people praying for you, praying to God about you. And God is preparing you through failure, time and space and the prayer of the saints to pursue his purpose and calling in your life. Don't run from your passion, lean into God as he orchestrates the right environment for you to pursue your calling. Each day, students, I pray to the Lord um, that he make me content with where he has placed me. And I pray that I, I, and I I trust in God that where I am is where he wants to be need to be because he is sovereign over all things. And because I am his son, I believe he's sovereign even over the painful places of my life. So I'm reminded that the apostle Paul says that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm reminded that, There were times in Jesus' earthly ministry that people uh, rejected him and, and persecuted him and mocked him, but yet he was doing the will of the Father. I'm reminded of the Garden of Gethsemane, where Christ wants relief from what he will have to go through to bring salvation. But he finds the ability to pray even in that pain. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. And I'm reminded that we serve not even, not only a a savior and a Messiah who um, has resurrection power, which he does. But before resurrection comes crucifixion. And even at the heart of the Christian life. There's one preacher who says all of the Christian life is cruciform. That there is a cross for all of us to bear. Yet on the other side of that cross is the power of God. In this life and in the life to come. And so there is often a personal crisis in the calling of God. But through pain comes victory. And we see this most in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That gives us abundant life in this life as we are reconnected to God and eternal life in the life to come. Christ will have victory over all his enemies and all the enemies of his people. So I encourage you not to flee from the personal crisis when you know it is God who has called you to go through in order to glorify him. Amen. Pray with me, Lord. I thank you for uh, this chapel. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for Geneva college and Lord often. Or always you call us to take up our cross and follow you. And so I ask that Lord, you would help us not to um, abandon our cross Lord for, ease and acceptance from this world. But Lord, we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may prove what is your good and acceptable and perfect will. I ask that um, as we have uh, seniors graduating Lord, that as they enter into the world, Lord, that they will not let difficulty and obstacles discourage them from your purpose, but to know that you have prepared them to go out into the world, Lord, to bring your good news, and to bring your kingdom to bear wherever you send them. And I pray for um, Geneva College, Lord, that even in times of crisis on the campus, Lord, that you would always allow them to see uh, true north in you and that they would pursue you um, even in times of difficulty, times when we feel we're failing, times where we seem so far away from what we uh, feel called to inside. Help us to know, Lord, that you are sovereign and you are watching over us and that you accomplish your will in all things. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.
2: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All you nations, extol him, extol him. All you peoples, for great is his love toward us.